watch it. Drink it in. All right, guys. Hope you're all doing good. Welcome back to another episode of the Big Six Podcast. Wow, today's going to be very, very interesting. Um, I'll cut straight to the chase. Demille, how you doing? Um, I've been better. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, <laughs> I mean, we'll get on to the. Uh, we'll address the elephant in the room in about thirty seconds. But I'll also <laughs> introduce Matt, who's a bit happier than us this weekend. So, how you doing? I'm very, I'm very good, thank you, mate. I'm very good. Thank you. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> uh, you've been there, mate. You've been there. Um, yes. Well, like on this said, pod, <laughs> I'll address the elephant in the room straight away. Um, if you haven't been living under a rock, you'll know that. Oh, it's sickening. I can't even want to say it. Manchester United nil, Liverpool five at Old Trafford. Me and Demille were both there, so we've both got a lot to say, which is why this pod had to be recorded fairly soon. But um, before we talk about how poor and shocking we are, Matt, how good were Liverpool yesterday? Um, they were and they weren't though. Like I think even Klopp at half time said, like I wanted more from the team. Liverpool, particularly after they went two up, they sat off a bit too much. The ball retention wasn't the best. They gave United quite a few chances on the counter, which they just didn't take, and that could have changed the game. And obviously, United had that Bruno chance as well at the start. But, I mean, they were just unbelievably clinical, really. And to be 5-0 up, and I, I kind of wish they went all out at United. I'm not going to lie, after some of the other <laughs> fixtures in the past. But they just decided to completely settle and stop, which is even more embarrassing in a way uh, for United. But, yeah, I mean, Salah trick, first player, uh, opposing player to do that in the Premier League era. Insanity, really. That player, uh, that guy is just on another level, really. Um, I mean, your defence didn't help in the slightest, being as split open as it was, the gaps. And obviously, you guys will do the United talking, but I just want to quickly say, you played a high press, a high press game without pressing high. Like a, it was like a low high press. It was like a high press wanting to game, but played like a medium press, like a very half-hearted. And then you tried to play defensive, but then ran all out um aggressively but yeah anyways i'd just say a tiny bit more in liverpool cater was really really good i feared the worst when he got uh taken out by paul pogbrew came on and <laughs> did what he did really um but thankfully he's tweet he's putting on posts on the get after the game as if nothing happened so that was pretty funny trent was absolutely magical as always i mean tay always loved me ringing his praises and others of course uh, so i'll fill in his job for today really um Konate was really really impressive for a first game as well obviously a clean sheet is massive and other than that Henderson that pass for Salah was absolutely exquisite I think you'll get yeah. spoken about a lot more if it wasn't for the context of the game and the fact is Henderson who struggled quite a bit but credit where it's true he was absolutely sublime in that sixth role and that's Liverpool out for Binio, Thiago, Mane other notable depth areas which they need to address that midfield and attack like pretty crazy but i'll let you guys do their talking on the uh the red side of manchester well i mean the fact you like you said liverpool when when i was you know um in the pub free kickoff i saw the team and i thought three key players missing we might actually have a chance here but that's yeah, them. yeah. with yeah. like you said you know not at their best they were brilliant and i mean obviously with 10 men they were going to always going to control the game they played really well but they didn't have to be you know they didn't have to be playing 10 out of 10 at their best to carve through us. And that's the worst thing about it, especially missing 
three key players and I mean you take three key players out of our team and we literally crumble and that's you know we'll get on to stuff like that in a bit but I mean that's part of the problem with Solskjaer I mean he knows if he changes three old players it's gonna be an absolute nightmare but I mean I think their first goal just sort of set the tone like the fact that like you're saying the sort of half press half not press and you've got Bruno Fernandes trying to press Allison, and I don't I don't really get it he was on his own one man press ball gets launched up and we get played through midfield straight away you could tell, you know, I don't know about you, Demel, but you could tell um, it was going to be a heavy one as soon as the first one went in. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I mean, we had, the, we had the chance with Bruno at the start and if that went in, then, I mean, who knows? I still think we would have got beaten. But, you know, uh, that, that that was a chance that could have made it a different game. But, yeah, I mean, they scored maybe, what, two minutes after that? And then from that moment on, you knew the game was basically over. I mean, 2-0 done three and forget about it and you know, it all happened in just such quick moments like it like at one minute you thought you're okay I mean for the first goal is that uh, I, I, I don't know I mean defensive mistakes the errors cost us again I mean I, I know you're a big Harry Maguire enthusiast but today he, he was god I mean yesterday was god awful once again and um yeah, yeah, it has been all season, and uh, it just is. It feels like that to me. The, the the team feels like it's it's just freestyling on its own. Like I know, like obviously, obviously Oli does have like he does he does talk to them. Like he, he knows he has tactics, but I I feel like it just they just don't understand. They don't. It's not soaked in. Like if you see, if you watch Klopp Klopp's team and United's team. Liverpool, they know exactly what they're doing in, in, in what moment, how they're doing it, the way they press, the way they retain the ball, the way they play with the ball. United, one man, and Bruno's just running after players. I mean, it's just just haphazardly. And it, once Bruno once Bruno goes, um, Alisson just does a long ball, as you say, and then and we're cut open again. I mean, the amount of times we got sliced open in that game. And I, I, I left... Um, in the, in the 50th minute, as soon as Mosala scored his hat trick, but and I, I didn't see, I didn't see the last um, what was it 40 minutes of the game, but the, the 50 minutes, the amount of times we got cut open by a pass, and all season, I mean all, all season last season, I've been saying how Fred and McTominay are not good, but I'm watching I'm watching this uh, I'm watching that game live, and I watch games against Atlanta, and Everton, and and even Newcastle. And the amount of space we just leave open on the counter-attack um, from set pieces. Like, it, w- it would be a struggle for for City's midfield to to get the ball back. The amount of space, you know, Rodri and, and Gundogan to get the ball back. Never, never mind Fred and McTominay, because like, we don't do them any favours. And I, I know they're not great, but you've got to have... Um, a defensive unit, and we have no like no cohesion together. And you you add that to um to our attack, who 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 are just relying on on moments. And for the past eighteen months, I feel like we just have been relying on moments. We've never been a team that creates many chances. We've never been a team that um creates chances. To the likes of City, Liverpool, and Chelsea, even West Ham. Even I don't know, Leicester. Um, and I, it, 
for me, it comes back to, to coaching. I think our coaching is absolutely abysmal. Um, I think Ollie and his coaching staff are way out of their depths. And this this isn't a criticism on Ollie's part, but really the coaching staff, because it, it's been mentioned that Ollie doesn't um, take part in training sessions. So if you're talking about the, the, the defensive uh, part of coaching, that aspect of size, what are we working on, on in training? Honestly, like what wh- what's going on? Because the amount of times that we we could just be cut open by one pass. I mean, I think um, the Liverpool game. It was, um, or it might have been at Atalanta. I think Rashford. I think it was Rashford, Greenwood, and um, Bruno. Three. There was three people on one person. That that player just makes makes a simple pass to the midfield. The midfielder, I think it was Atalanta, um, and then that that midfielder just breaks on, and they they go on to create a chance there. I mean, you can't you can't at this level. You just cannot be um, leaving so much space, and um, like set pieces as well. We got a new, a new defensive uh, set piece, um, um, a set piece specialist coach. What has, has that been working? Because Corners we've been leaking in again, and corners we haven't been scoring. I don't think we scored a corner this season. Um, and you look at the team that we do have, and you and and you're you're wanting so much more. Like it's the hope. I mean, we got Ronaldo. How how are you losing five 0 when you got the likes of Ronaldo, Bruno, Sancho, Pogba, Rashford, Greenwood? Well, but this is it for me. This is what, because you both know I was quite firmly behind Solskjaer up until this season. And so I, think, I. I think in the two and a half years he's had before, I think I saw more than enough, you know, progress and reasoning for why he should be given a chance. But suddenly when we've had the window we've had, and I don't think anyone expected us to win the title, but people certainly decided us to be, uh, expected us to be competitive. And I turned, because I think the last time we spoke, I was probably still in, because we haven't done one in a couple of weeks. Um, and I said what would tip me over the edge would be a Champions League exit or just terrible league form. And I mean, I think it was the last game that tipped me over the edge, because I think that put us, you know, four or five points off the top already when we, you know, we're eight games in and we haven't played anyone decent yet. And going into this Liverpool game, we're already under the mentality that we're massive underdogs. Why on earth are we massive underdogs? Look at the two, look at the two starting 11s and look at the <coughs> bench as well. The bench, our bench yesterday, I'll pick it up, I'll get it up now and read it out to you. Our bench compared to Liverpool's bench, it's staggering. It's absolutely staggering. So Liverpool's bench, you've got Jones, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Mane, who's obviously the usual starter, Adrian, Gomez, Matip, Simakas, Minamino and Origi. You look at our bench, Pogba, Dallow, Cavani, Henderson, Bailly, Lingard, Matic, Van der Beek, Sancho. Like our squad depth is absolutely astoundingly good. So if you've got players that aren't on form, you know, you know, Rashford's not playing well, oh, you can take him out, put Sancho in, oh, Greenberg's not playing well, you can take him out, put Lingard in. Ronaldo's not playing well, you can take him out, put Cavani in. Like, I'd love somebody to come on here and defend Oli at this point. Like, we're, it's absolutely out of excuses. And, I mean, if we speak about how much we lack tactically, we'd be here all day. But DeMille's spot on. Like, Fred and McTominay are not good, but the f- way we leave them out to dry, maybe that's why Popper can't play midfield anymore. Maybe it's been sure, coaching yeah. this whole time. Yeah. I think that's like, what's quite fascinating as well, like, with what you think about in contrast to last season, because... Yes, it's a different squad and an improved squad in individuals, but it's not a massively different squad. You know, you had that same backline and you had a decent defensive record. Obviously, Maguire was massively on form a lot of the time, and so was Shaw. And 
or I mean like this season in comparison, you've played that four two four and you've persisted with it. But I think the main issue I have now with like Ole and even when United get a new manager in, I don't think there's a quick fix for it. They've dug themselves deep in a hole now because of the system, because of the way to save and the way of playing. I don't know, because it's almost like United against Liverpool. They're trying to play a tactic, but they're not making the lineup represent it. They were pretty awful midweek against Atalanta, particularly first half, but they're lucky Atalanta on the best team in Europe, to be completely honest. I really like them, but yeah, they, you know, they allowed them back in the game and obviously United won 3-2, but that sugarcoat. They deserve to win, don't get me wrong, but that doesn't warrant an unchanged lineup or from that Leicester game. So if you want to play a high press game, you bring in the likes of Jesse Lingard, not front forward players who quite simply don't press. Because yeah. for the first goal is the best highlight of this. I remember never analysing it. It's already like the analysis shows after the actual game. He's showing how uh, Greenwood like half-heartedly going to... Is it Trent or Robbo? I think it's Robbo. Robbo. Robbo, yeah. And then you've got... Or is it Rashford? I can't remember. Yeah, Greenwood. Then Wambasaka half-heartedly goes to someone else. And then... And then like Lind, yeah, it might be. And then Lindelof's out of position, Maguire's out of position. They're fully just bitten up for no reason. Yeah. And you're just so confused with what the way of playing is. And it's just crazy how quick things hit you. And I know, uh, Ethan, you said that United should never be an underdog, but I think that suits you a lot more than being a, a team which, you know... I, I, no, I don't necessarily mean that. Form. I just mean on paper, the team we have, like... 10 games into the season, we've bought in, you know, in my opinion, the best player ever. We've bought in one of the best centre-backs in world football and a £70 million winger added to a team that came second last season and eight games in, we're massive underdogs and expect us to be bad against Liverpool. That's what I mean. Like, our expectations are already. I I think under Solskjaer being the underdog, we have been better. I don't disagree with that. I think the main issue, as you say as well, with Solskjaer, that plays a big part because United have obviously been a ridiculously good club in Europe, in the league, etc. And they've been used to that sort of pressure with the likes of Ferguson. But Ole, he's he's never been a manager where you're like, wow, this guy's an amazing manager. You've just really appreciated the other attributes on the pitch. But now it's got to a point where all the pressure's on United. They've come second. They've brought in one of the world's best defenders, maybe even not currently, like when they signed him because he was had a bit of an off-season at Real. But previously, they've brought in one of the best players of all time. And they brought in a creative winger, which was arguably what they needed, who was producing unbelievable stats at a very young age and someone who they'd gone for for a while for, what, 70 or million? So adding those players, and the main thing is Ronaldo, it just brings such a sense of you've got all these big names and you've got such high expectations now because everyone's just following Ronaldo. Like, oh, the second United drop Ronaldo, the second they sub Ronaldo, the second they drop points everything's going to end up talking about Ronaldo. And it's yeah. massive expectations, really. Not that that's Ronaldo's fault at all, by the way. That's just how things are going to be when you have a superstar name. Same for Pogba. Same for probably even Greenwood, like, a bit more in the future. Same for Rashford. Um, same for Sancho. Van der Beek is getting a bunch of words said about him. Yeah, spot on, it yeah. all just goes back to the pressure and stuff and United just can't hack it and it's gone from one extreme to the other and there's not really a quick fix which is the worry for me from a non-biased point of view I do think though go on sorry I I do think though with with our squad um I know when you say quick fix in terms of like system changing and and all all that that there's talks of obviously a new manager uh, I think we'll speak about shortly but obviously 
he has the manager has been talking talked about um Conte obviously very different system and ideas to Ole. So it takes time of course to change and adapt. But if you if you, if you do um you know um cast your eyes, you know, last season and Chelsea were, were in a similar position to um to us now. And and you look at Chelsea's team when Frank was there <clears throat> and the system at Frank um was, was playing um, with Chelsea then and then obviously Tuchel comes in and you know different ideas different, different system but those players there are good enough to adapt quickly and I think our players are, are good enough to under actual serious coaching and, and under actual serious manager I, th- I think our players are good enough to you know not really have to go through a, a transition phase um, um, a, a, as you kind of mentioned that um, I think you know they're taught like that we, we've got some world-class players, or my my opinion, uh, the best player um, in the world has ever seen. Um, young, amazing talent, and we do have a decent um, decent um, defense. Uh, obviously, the records and the stats this season shows that we we are absolutely awful. But the actual players that there's themselves, I I, I I keep going back to it. It's just the coaching, the defensive coaching, is just it's ridiculous. Uh, it's I mean, it's, it's looking. It's hanging our players up to dry because it makes Maguire look bad. I mean, Maguire was was, was insane um, last season, uh, to the last part of the season. He had an incredible Euros, so so sure. And um, this season, they they both been absolutely poor. De Gea, we haven't even talked about De Gea. De Gea's probably been a man of the match for about five games. I mean, the amount of times De Gea has saved us this season. I mean, he he's he's um, in my opinion um, back on top form, but but that's not really being talked about because he keeps leaking goals. And the goals that he has been leaking are not his fault. Um, so, yeah, in my opinion, I think although we obviously adapt, adapt, adaptation would have to come, I think it wouldn't be such a long process. And I, I do think if if the Glazers act quickly now, and I'm, and I mean I mean Oli has to go now it, respectfully, but if the, the Glazers act quickly now, I think the season can still be salv- salvageable. On one hand, I agree with that in terms of United have the players at unbelievable quality. And another thing as well is the whole balance. It, it, I, I was worried about it when you signed Ronaldo and Sancho and it's become such an issue that it's cost you so, so severely. But I think the difference is between Lampard and when Tuchel took over is just the profiles. United have got all the attacking profiles, but they don't have the midfield profiles. And midfield yeah. is the most important area of a game. And... I mean, they, I guess they have the goalkeeping profiles. De Gea is a really good shot stopper. He's proved that this season, but he's not the you know the ball playing keeper or that type of keeper. I I I have to um butt in and say I I think his distribution this season has improved immensely. Um, I I think he 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 started. I think he's contributed to two our two our goals actually um this season. I I've really been impressed. With, obviously, he's not um the standard of Edison. Edison knew that. Um, but I think um, it's it's good enough, you know. Like, I don't think no, fair enough. And the distribution is, is a like point to is it something to to point out in terms of the weakness of the hair? Now I think that's pretty sort sorted. I do no, also think enough. we have. I, I don't think obviously our team is very top heavy, but we have so much depth in attack that I think you can pretty much field lots of different front threes, for example, and play in lots of different ways. So I mean, obviously we still need a defensive midfielder desperately. Like that's always been the case, but you know, I, I do think a new manager would obviously 
improve things and just want to say a few more things on Ollie before we talk about potential replacements what could happen next and then we will eventually move on from United there's just a lot to talk about today um first of all um this new pressing thing it's so strange like we've been a counter-attacking team for the whole time we've bought we've had Ollie and Solskjaer and then we bought Cristiano Ronaldo and Jadon Sancho in and now decide to be a pressing team I mean, why are you signing Ronaldo if you want to be a pressing team? I mean, surely you sign like right that. And you... Pardon? Lingard is right there. Yeah, I mean, Lingard, Lingard, if you want to press, you know, he's quite a clear option. You can play, not instead of Ronaldo, obviously, but, you know, in a different area of the pitch. But, you know, you sign Ronaldo, you have to build a team around him. And whoever is to come in next, because I'm sure he's getting imminently sacked. I'd, I'd be shocked if he's here at the weekend. You have, They have to build a team around Ronaldo, and I'm sure they will, because you'll recognise the quality he brings. But... Finally, just want to put on record, you know, when he does go, he's done a good job for me. And that's why yeah, I say, you know, that's why I've backed him to the end since, well, for, since about a week ago. And I don't want to, you know, I'll never hate the man. If, I don't think you're a real true United supporter if you hate the man, especially if you're from the older generation that was lucky enough to be there to see Barcelona in 99, etc. And, you know, if we get a new manager in and we win something, I feel like Oli played a massive part in that, in putting us in this position because... When he took over, I think people really forget what sort of state we're in. It was literally a point of, you know, no hope at all. And, you know, obviously I'm a bit older now, so I can appreciate football a bit more. But even though we won trophies under Van Halen, Jose, I think I've probably enjoyed United the most in Oli's tenure. And it's not all about trophies. Mm. I mean, even this season, some of the games I've been there to witness, it's been absolutely brilliant. And the start of his tenure, like the vibes were just off the scale. And it really did, you know, made me fall back <laughs> in love with United, which Jose just ripped away from me and Van Hal as well. Like, so Ollie really did like make me love United again. I mean, I've never, you know, lose the love for them, but make me enjoy watching them again, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure a lot of United fans will feel the same. But, you know, now I think it is quite clearly time to move on. And like I said earlier, I would love to, you know, hear another opinion because I don't see how anything there to say what he has to say. But just to put on record and I'm sure come to you in a minute to build, but He's done a great job. Obviously, it's disappointing. I'd have loved to see him win a trophy and I wish him well in the past and uh, in the future, sorry. And I think people go massively overboard. I think he will be hired by someone else and I think he has got potential in this industry. And I think people who come out with stuff like, oh, he's not even capable of managing a Premier League team. It's just a load of rubbish for me. I think he's shown that he has got potential. I think, you know, the job is just too big for him and that's no shame on him because, you know, there was doubts when he first came in. But, you know, I backed him the whole time. You know, and I wish him well. I mean, he'll probably end up staying another year after I've said this, but um, <laughs> yeah, I am um, fair play to him. I'll always love the man, and you know, not like I have any say of it, but he's welcome back at Old Trafford at any time in my eyes. So I don't know if you've got anything to add to that. Just I just want to echo um, your your thoughts. And I think um, that was well said. I, I have no no um, hard feelings towards the guy. You know, he did make me fall back in love with United. Those days with. Jose was absolutely toxic. Uh, I mean, so so toxic. Fans of the ground arguing all the time, booing all the time. I mean, now I, I'm I'm such a, a regular at um, Old Trafford. Now I've got a season ticket, and I'm part of um, the Red Army. And honestly, I'd say that section there, um, it, it's the the unity at at the ground there, and that in that section especially, but also in other sections as well. Um, I think that that is down to Oli, um, and he he has got rid of, ridden, he has got rid of that toxicity um, that was there during Jose's times, and he um, he was his job really was was to steady to steady the ship, you know, um, uh, and and build a team that is capable of challenging, 
and and to me he's done so so get rid of toxicity um in terms of um background staff um changing room the dressing room um the the, the ground so all of that's gone and and the, the, the vibes are, are good there everyone's happy um uh studiesship in terms of um um like in terms of the right recruitment but in terms of players um you know before we'd be looking at profiles that didn't really suit us the style of play that we got that that we, that we want now um we've got players that you know actually they are main United players and you know the, the last thing is, is is building a team that's that's capable of challenging and I think we do have a team that's capable of challenging um so in, in my eyes he has been a success it's just gone it's just got to that next stage where he he can't really he can't really go anywhere he's, he's not he's not like that elite manager to you know to to, to make us a, a title winning team or, or take us on the Champions League one and that's okay there's, there's no shame in, in saying that um like you say Ethan, I wish him all the best he, he is welcome back at um at United he'll always be a club legend we'll always love him um it's just time to part ways yeah, I'm glad you made that point about the stadium because, I mean, going back to the stadium this year has been special, obviously, for a lot of reasons because then we were, weren't allowed in for 18 or so months. And obviously, the TRA section is incredible. And I think that started in Ollie's tenure. It might be wrong, but I think it did. Yeah, um, yeah and uh, the atmosphere in the stadium is fantastic now. And it really was dying, I felt, in the sort of five years ago. It did really. Every time I went, it just felt, you know, dead. And even the Atalanta game and even... You know, a lot of people chose to leave, which is fair enough. I was one of those that stayed and still sang at the end. And, you know, it just shows the unity of the fans have got together and got behind him the whole time. And, you know, it has been fun. It's been a good ride. Like like I said, I've enjoyed Ollie's tenure, even though we haven't unfortunately got the success we wanted to. But, you know, and it's why it'll end on good terms with most fans because of his style and what he's bought. And like I said, in the future, we'll hopefully look back as this as an important era in rebuilding the club because we really were in a mess, you know, when Mourinho left. But... Just finally on United. I'm sorry, Matt. I'm sure you're sick of it now. Um, the, the <laughs> Only another today, hour. No, I'm joking. <laughs> the noise today um, is potentially Antonio Conte. Uh, so we'll just talk about this for about five minutes before we move on. Um, I'll come to you first, Emil. What do you make of that? Um, uh, listen, if, 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 if Conte um, is in charge, then I'll, I'll get behind him. I, I have no reason to, to not um, want, it, want him to, to, to do well. Um, I do have some doubts, um, you know, longevity, uh, style of play, but he he's a serial winner and he is a coach who um, makes teams solid, hard to beat, and I, I want I want us to be a team that is hard to beat. I don't want to, I don't want us to be a team that is easy to play against, um, and Conte does does that, and. Um, or Conte is, is much better than Ole. It's like you, you, you just got to, you got to say that. Like it's, it's obvious. Um, so if Conte is in charge, then you know there's there's no real there's no real reason to be annoyed or upset. Or my 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 ideal manager, who is available, obviously Ten Hag would be absolutely perfect. But you know, he, respectfully, he's, he's in the job. I don't think he would ever leave. Um, I think Zidane. I think Zidane is probably more of a of a suited style to United. Um plus he has the C V as well. And you got member um uh he, he people say about Zidane how you know anyone could have 
done what he did with, with those kind of players. But some other injuries he had um, at that time, I forgot, I forgot exactly what year um, it was. Last season, wasn't it? Yeah, so many injuries. Um, and then, it, yeah, the, the, that season uh, came second in the league. And um, I, I think Zidane would... Um, would, would be a good fit as well. I feel I feel like Conde, to be fair, would, would also um, do well. You know, I, I think he would win stuff, and you know, we do need to win now. So I, I'm I'm not too fast. You know, uh, it's not really a case of mm, okay, we got him, but I really wanted. You know, if Conte comes in, then I, I'm not too bothered. I am leaning towards Dan as well, personally, but I'd be excited at the uh, concept, uh, the prospect of both, sorry. And I mean, this last point, I'll come to you, Matt, quickly on who you think we should bring in if it was to happen. But I mean, we're literally talking like he's been sat already here. I do expect it to happen, but you know, I mean, you never know. But I think no better manager is going to come available. So I think at this point, we can't really wait any longer. I know people yeah. are saying that we should, you know, maybe keep Ollie for this hard run and then let the new manager have, you know, the easy run, which I think starts in like mid-December, which is, you know, almost that's seven weeks away which you know if ollie stays till then the title is absolutely gone if it isn't already and you know top four we're going to be up against already and i do feel like say we get conti or zidane in um before the weekend no disrespect to spurs but i'd fancy us to beat them um and then i think first home game new manager in front of a home crowd who says we can't get a result against city we certainly got more chance than we do with ollie in charge so you know a lot of people say oh if a new manager comes in and we lose the first two league games it's going to be detrimental well, i don't think it would i mean especially match going sports it takes a lot for them to turn on the manager i don't think they're going to be doing it after two games so you know if i were them i think he needs to go now with all due respect i think it's quite clear we're not winning a premier league or champions league under him and i think the longer we keep him not only is it going to set us back even further but it's going to you know tarnish not tarnish the legacy completely but leave it more sour which i don't think anyone wants really but finally we will move on but matt if ollie is sacked tonight or tomorrow who do you think is the best fit um if we're talking end of season, then I'd take Ten Hag, to be honest. I'm a massive fan of his. Uh, he was one of the guys I wanted desperately to replace uh, Emery when he left. And if Arteta was ever to leave, he's the guy I'd want. Uh, so if you got him, I'd fear like, quite a bit. But out of just if he was to go today, I'm torn whether as a club. So I've seen a few murmurs in the press so that you just get someone like a Darren Fletcher until the end of the season which wouldn't surprise me. And I don't know how much I even trust United to get the right managerial appointment, not just do something like that. But I was, if it's, you know, I can pick, then yeah, Zidane's definitely the the guy in my opinion. Conte, I think he could actually improve quite a few players. I have a feeling Dallow would be like really good under Conte and a few others. But do you think, sorry, do you think, um, um, I, I don't know who he would play in the midfield, but say, say he did choose one of, Fred McTominay, do you think they would actually become and actually, you know, a good 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 footballer because of the defensive uh, unity that Conte provides? I'd be interested to see how he set it up. I mean, obviously with Inter he has sort of the I wanna call it a three five two sort of thing with the one sitter and the two eights. Um yeah, yeah I three five two, say, three four three, because that's what somebody just say, out um, to the left. I saw somebody say Pogba and Bruno maybe is a 2-8, but I'm still not actually convinced. I would like to see it no. tried, but I think Pogba in a Conte midfield would suit him a lot better to be fair I, the only player I would be concerned about under Conte would be Sancho 
because uh, if he was to go for the three-five-two sort of setup, I'm not quite sure where he fits in there. But um, you know, a lot of people talk just finally. A lot of people talk uh, are comparing Conte and Mourinho, which I actually thinks very lazy. I think, yeah, very they lazy. like to set up their teams defensively, but Conte is nowhere near as toxic and egotistical as Jose was, and he won't be. And um, yeah, he might not like all players, but then again, you can say Oli doesn't like all players either. I so if the attitude's right, there won't be an issue, in my opinion. Thing is, I don't see Conte as that much of a defensive manager at all. Like some of the football he got into playing and stuff like that. Obviously, oh, yeah, at Chelsea he turned into a defensive guy, but I don't think he was ever like a proper defensive manager. I think he's really secure defensively, but I think he's really good offensively, particularly with the wing backs. But I, I do wonder he... what that would mean for you know who got signed for United if that would I... affect them and stuff. I think there's there's this narrative if that if you're good defensively, it means you're boring. And like, I, I just don't understand it because, first of all, to be to be hard to beat as a team, that's one of the best things you could you could you could you could want. Like, to know that um it's gonna be a struggle for the opposition to score every single week, and then you have got the attacking players that we have. I mean, man, I I, I that I just I just want like you just want that as a team. Um, the goalkeeper knowing that you don't have to face that, that many shots every single week. You know, the centre backs knowing that you not you don't have to run back to your to your box every single week. You know, um, I just feel like Conte is just so, so solid, secure, um, so defensively secure, and it reminds me of, it does remind me of Tuchel a bit actually because people said Tuchel's boring, and you know they don't play the most exciting football, but the amount of chances they create a game, the amount of goals they score, you know, they they scored three in the last five. I mean, they scored seven lot and against Norwich. You know, I, I I think I think um, this notion of if you're a defensive coach, you're boring, or like I, I don't want to see any defensive football being played. I, I I'm 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 all for it to be honest. I do have my reservations though for Conte at United because similar why it never worked out or it was never going to happen. I like Spurs. I just don't know if it's ever going to like Spurs. It could happen. Like at Spurs, Spurs he'd he? get. He oh right, right, right. It didn't. It didn't happen because he'd like you know he'd ask for too much control or he'd be calling out the board and stuff and that's not going to happen. You're not allowed to do that obviously in this country and anything like that without big punishment. And I don't know. I just don't. I'm very torn whether it will be a good appointment or not. I know a lot of people are massive fans of it and obviously his silverware speaks for itself. His setup has always worked, but in the same vein, he is a very short-term type guy. Yeah. So maybe if you get him for a few years and then assess the market, I think I saw someone tweet, which could be a good idea, but I do massively have reservations. I'm a bit really unsure. I'm intrigued to see what the future of United holds. As a do you not mutual. think, though, when we've got Cristiano Ronaldo probably for only two seasons, do you not think that's the sort of thing we need to go for now? I just... But... The issue is with that is you say that, but with Ronaldo there, you'd want to be winning leagues and Champions Leagues. And even if you get Conte, you're definitely not going to win the league. But just because of the sheer quality around, regardless of your awful start, and the Champions League would be incredibly hard to do. I mean, obviously, I mean, you're lucky to even be the position you are after that Villarreal game, for example. He, he does and have zero more European like pedigree. Um, sorry about him, Matt. But oh, don't worry. But yeah, it's, it's a tough one, really, because as you say with Ronaldo, you know, have him for two years, you want to get the best out of him, but then you've basically only got next season. And I just yeah. don't see, you know, I don't think an FA Cup or a League Cup is what's 
you're talking about when you sign Ronaldo, I guess. Obviously, I think, it'll be good. Do you not think, though, if, if just for the final point, because we do really need to move on, but, you know, we get to the end of the season, I mean, we better get top four. Do you not think Conte with one window? I think if he added a few of his players, there's no reason why we can't challenge. Like, our squad is certainly good enough. Like, we've got the personnel to do so. Yeah, we might need to sell a few and bring a few in to bring in some more balance. But for me, there's no re- no excuse why, with Conte, with the whole season, we couldn't challenge for the league for me. I but, think um, one issue I do on. have with Conte, I just very quickly want to say it, his approach is very specific. So it's not an approach which is broad for a manager which comes in in two years' time. Yes, he made some really good signings at Inter, like Barella, like Hakimi and others. But he also did bring in the likes of Ashley Young, Victor Moses, those sort of players. So he's very specific with the type of players he gets. And I would also worry that for the, you know, the next United manager in those two years, because he doesn't, you know, obviously he plays a three back, which is rare to be sustainably successful. Obviously teams play in possession and stuff. And obviously Chelsea have done it very well, but. Even them, I think you'll have to switch to a four sooner rather than later. And they could have argue um, with the signings, he would have you know more finances to work with at United. I think mean, there obviously was financial issues at Inter, but we do really have to move on now. I could just talk yeah. about this all day. Um, so if you want more United content, get at me and Demil's Twitter. And um, I mean, there's a lot of content out there. It's been spoken about to death, but you know I couldn't wait any longer just to vent a little bit, I suppose. But we will move on because there are some other clubs in the league. Would you believe? Um, as for a team who actually can play football, Chelsea put seven past Norwich in the early kickoff on Saturday. And I mean, pfft, quickly on Chelsea, I mean, they, you know, they score seven goals. People, like I said, people say they're boring, but they prove they're not. And as bad as the opposition are, we'll speak about them in a minute. They did do brilliantly. I mean, without their first two strikers as well, Mason Mount, Hattrick, people were starting to doubt him a little bit. And it's just a bit of a reminder how good he can be. I mean, the defence was solid as ever, both full-back scoring, which shows how effective their, you know, free at the back system is. And Jorginho Kovacic proving again why they're such a good partnership in midfield. I think both of them picked up an assist. It's good to see Callum Hudson and Doy get on the score sheet as well. So, you know, I'm sure that's a very pleasing day for Chelsea. I mean, they do look brilliant and they will be right up there this season. And they did. Um, you know, I think I, even I said myself, I was a bit concerned about them after their little blip with getting lucky against Brentford and losing to Chelsea and Juventus. But I mean, it is only Norwich, but they did show they have got, you know, the goal scoring in them. I mean, they've scored 11 goals in the last two games. So I um, don't know if any of you guys have got anything else to add on Chelsea, but I did want to talk about Norwich mainly, but I don't know if you've got anything else to add. We had a higher XG against Norwich than they did. Wow. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Yeah, wasn't theirs like... There's your stat of the week. Three or no. 2.96. Mm. I think theirs was like 2.76. 2. I was like 3.3. Yeah. Oh, um, and we only won one nil. We had like 30 shots. So, there you go. <laughs> Random but, stat. Um, obviously, Chelsea are brilliant. And I don't want to seem like we're just you know turning away from them but you know what else can you say? They're a fantastic team and they showed that again. But Norwich... We, um, yeah. They are. First question. I mean, I think the worst Premier League side ever is Derby with 11 points. I do don't. I don't think that'll ever be beaten. To be honest, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not. I think the Norwich second worst, may run it close. Yeah. Second worst, I think. I think it's Aston Villa in 15-16, and then I think it's Sheffield United last season. I might be wrong, but I think that's the top three. Where do you think they're going to rank in that? They could come first, honestly. They could finish anywhere, but I'd probably guess like third, second, maybe fourth. I want to ask, when's Daniel Farker going to get the sack? I'm thinking the same thing. I mean, he's a fantastic manager in the championship. Nobody's, you know, debating that. But 
is this really sustainable? I mean, it is financially just sustainable, but, you know, just going up, going down, you know, one time they won't go up. Like, it is hard to bounce back when you get relegated from the Premier League, and they have kept a lot of their squad together, so they do manage to do it, I think, this they're twice it's in a row. It's almost like they go up and they're, prepare, they're just preparing for the Championship. They're not preparing for the Premier League this season, they're preparing for next year's Championship. <laughs> no, but I don't know why you're laughing, because that's literally what they're doing. That's what, that is what they do. Why are you laughing for? baffling. <laughs> I mean, I said I thought Norwich would do all right this season, but because I I do like a fair few of their players, but uh, they are they dire. Um, they're going to stay up. No, I didn't say they'd stay up. I said no. they'd stay up, and oh. that's proven actually. I said they'd finish twentieth. I, I didn't think they'd be this bad though. Let me be honest. So, <laughs> actually, I've got if, another question. Go on. If you had to predict now, what team is actually Norwich going to take points off this season? And that's that's what I'm saying. Like. I don't like see how they get some points. <laughs> well, there's only there's only two. They've got two points, and they're both 0-0 draws against. I think Brighton and Burnley. Burnley. Yeah, I want to say so. Brighton and Burnley. Brighton. I think Brighton would, would beat them second time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, I mean, when I do don't know think they'll go win this. So I think Derby Jesus, got one win. Imagine, imagine we lose to Norwich. I'll be like the uh, the bottom of the bottom. If we had them, if we had them this Saturday, I wouldn't be confident. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, honestly, but, if that's Carrow Road, the, the the way fans, the home fans behind them, uh, you know, like the Timu Puki bagging three past that 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 uh, non-existent defence. Carrow Road half five kickoff Saturday absolutely stinks of a loss. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, honestly, then. but um, I mean. If I, I don't like commenting on managerial situations because I don't watch Norwich week in, week out. Obviously, I watch them when I can, but um, I don't really like commenting on managerial situations too much. I mean, I would love to speak to a Norwich fan about this. Um, so what, what do you make of Farker? Obviously, he's so good in the championship. I mean, every time they're in there, they absolutely smash it. And as a supporter, would you be happy with this sort of way of going? No, probably. He's an expansive manager, uh, Farker. He's almost made for a big club, but he's not good enough for that, if that makes sense. Yeah, with the style he's, I hear Like, his style was very much like a team who wants to be on the front for a high press, high aggression, but they don't have the profiles for it. They don't have the technical players. Like, they're just not... They're trying to play, like, a a really good system, a really uh, on-the-front-foot system, without having the necessary players, when, in reality... Unless if you just have such a good approach and a really good manager like Thomas Frank and Brentford, who unfortunately lost and didn't deserve to, where you're just unbelievably direct, almost like when Leicester won the league, just being that direct is just so hard, flooding the box. But when you're Norwich, like they sometimes look all right offensively, but they concede crazy amounts of goals. Like their goal difference is honestly, look at the table now. It's minus two. You see, like minus three, minus two, minus five, minus seven, maybe is our highest, and minus 23 or whatever comes up, and it's like, wait, what? And it's just, it's just so hard to know what's going on at Norwich because when you're that sort of club without the quality, without, you haven't, you've not really got the ability to attract, you know, the players who could properly get, uh, keep you up in the Prem. Yes, they made a few nice signings. They made a few nice signings if there were the foundations of the squad were already there, like a Rashika or a, even a Gilmore and Lone and stuff. But these sort of players are like young, new players to the Premier League who aren't going to work without the foundation around them. Yeah. I just, I, I don't think they have a good squad. I'm not saying that, but their squad is better than two points after nine games and two goals, surely. 
I mean, look mm. at Brentford's squad. Their squad doesn't exactly like, you know, nothing really leaps out of you. It was great. I've had a couple of players and they're doing all right. Yeah, I mean, it's all, it just shows the power of a system and a manager. And as I said, when you're that sort of team as well, you've kind of just got to play in negative fashion. You've got to pack the bar. Uh, got to pack the box you've got to sit deep very organized very frustrating you've got to press high as well make life very annoying for teams while having a decent counter-attacking threat which Norwich have always had like when they beat City 3-2 uh, a good like what three years ago four years ago yeah but now they just they just can't defend and ultimately if you can't defend your whole game doesn't work you're so easy to play through you're a joy for any team to play to be honest that's yeah the worst for thing. sure and it's like when when things happen to teams like this, like Sheffield United last season, it's hard to watch at times. And you have know, got a feel for the supporters and the players who just seem so far out of their depth. And, you know, I know people joke about it, but they are so, so bad. Like, it's actually unbelievable. And I don't think they'll quite be worse than 11 points, but, you know, I'd be shocked if they hit 20. And, you know, did, will they did, bounce back in next year? Well, who knows? But, like, where, where are they getting 12 points from? Oh no, ten points. Uh, to be we fair, said that about Sheffield United last season. You know, games I mean, I mean, like Newcastle at home, they will have a chance against. You know what, right? Teams. Norwich will they'll, they'll end up one surprisingly, like they always do. That's what I was going to say. They'll probably end up beating a big team or something. Like yeah. honestly, Carrow Road versus Spurs, book it. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, something like that. It, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Just yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued. But... Just that, just the way they're so open. Or for um, United, if Ole's still there, that's his potential. But. Oh, they're just so bad, man. I, I, I can't really comment it, because I don't really watch much like that, but every time you do watch them, it's, it's, it's horrendous. If any, I mean, the league any, position and goal difference. Um, it's like, um, it's like they don't know each other. <laughs> like yeah. They're just turning up. I mean, if pain. any Norwich sports are listening to this, we would love to hear from you and get your take yeah. on it, because obviously you'll know a lot more than uh, we do. But um, just wanted to touch on that because it is really sticking out. It, yeah, really, also, really bad. I, mean, I thought I'd just quickly say as well, they've lost their best players over the years and not replaced them properly. They lost yeah. Emi Buendia this summer, who was a vital player for them, although we didn't get multiple goal contributions. He was just very involved in the play. They lost even players like Jamal Lewis uh, when they went down a few years ago. They lost uh, Ben Godfrey, which was a massive blow. Yeah, yeah, he was, was by far the best defender, and he's really quick to actually play in that Havoc system. And obviously, Max Aarons is still there, but I've never thought he's that special. So no. now you'll... Otherwise, you'd have had a move by now. Yeah, but, exactly. um, Yeah, we'll, we'll move on from that. Um, we haven't got too much time, but we need to talk about City, who, again, showed how to actually play football by dismantling a Brighton side that... Everyone, well, they've been brilliant this season. It's not thinking about it. They have been brilliant this season. And City walked all over them and made it look easy, really. I didn't catch this uh, Catch this once. Uh, I don't know. if Did you catch this one, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, so um, go on. Just talk me through how good City were. And uh, talk to me about Phil Foden, really. The to be honest, yeah. I also want to give credit to Brighton here as well. Because City absolutely walked all over them in the first half. And in transition was just the key, really. Brighton got absolutely obliterated in transition. And... They just completely bossed a really good Brighton team, who have caused trouble. And obviously, my, my team Arsenal struggled against them not so long ago. So I know how good they are. And obviously, what they've done so far this season, it's interesting. They've kind of gone for them the polar opposite of what they used to be. And the expected points table, there are about three, four points, or like five, or something like that, higher than they should be, like places higher than they should be. And compared to expected, we just show how crazy it all works out. But 
last season they were so good, uh, but they couldn't get points. And this season, they've managed to get the points when they've not been so good. So a bit weird how that works out. But anyways, I'll just talk about City very briefly. Bernardo in transition, absolutely unbelievable. The player of the match for me, or Foden, as you say, I mean, Foden, um, for me to talk about him, he's just absolutely ridiculous, really. He can play a deeper role. He can play off the left. He can play centrally. I'm sure he could do a job off the right. He can fully do anything. He's a pressing machine. He's a creative machine. His final action's amazing. His close control dribbling. His finishing's improving. Like, there's nothing the guy can't do. And he's so intelligent, so mature, the ability to control games. And he's one of few players who Pep's given a free role to, basically. Or, I mean, it just speaks for itself, really. Because we know who the other one is, who Pep's given a free role to. And over the years, but yeah, I mean, Foden is just unbelievable. Jesus, I think, is another player who's so, so underrated. He's absolutely brilliant off the wing. I know Dan preached it for a while. I preached it for quite a while as well. Cut inside uh, for, I think it was the rebound goal from Foden. Sanchez definitely got rattled by the early incident. Not sure why he did. I'm a bit of an off day for sure. And yeah, just unbelievable footwork from Jesus and composure for the pass and just so good really. And Demille, I don't know if you uh, if you watched this game, so I don't want to completely ramble on myself, but um no I didn't I oh, all right I'll <clears throat> but I did see highlights and what what you're saying about City and the players I mean no one could disagree can they Foden's special and um I guess I guess the question is now um where where does Foden rank in terms of youngsters like me I, I think he's number one I what? think he's third behind Mbappe. Mbappe oh well I, okay yeah Mbappe like I don't really, I don't really count him, but I think like Mbappe is established. Like, I guess he's a youngster, but I'm talking about like upcoming youngsters. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, his first, no question about it in that regard. But for me, he's third out of those. I think him, but behind Holland and Mbappe, it it used to be like a thing of wow, you're bringing him up in the same breath. But I don't think it's that big of a deal now because Foden's shown he can control from deep. They're pretty close now, aren't they? Like. Obviously, people naturally favour the goal scorers like the Holland or like the Mbappes, and they're unbelievable young players. Don't get it twisted. But Foden's ability to control from deep, I know we did for um, Nation. I can't remember what friendly game it was. The ability to play through the middle as well against Brighton. But is he to play off the left like he did against uh, Liverpool, Liverpool and was so good? He's just, he can do absolutely everything and everything. And he's just so versatile. And I can't sing his praises enough, really. And Bernardo, I mean, you guys know how much I love him. He was absolutely exquisite again. Easily be one of the best players in the league this season. And I'll just touch on Brighton as well, second half, because you think 3-0 after 30 minutes, it's done. But Brighton put a really, really good account on themselves. They didn't allow themselves to get walked all over at all. They put City under a lot of pressure to the fact where after 3-1, City actually time-wasted for a tiny bit, which is high credit to a team like Brighton when it's 3-1 for City to, you know, Time waste a tiny bit against you, but yeah, just Brighton were really good, really aggressive, used the fan support to help them, very direct, and didn't quite take their chances to get any more than one because it could have been a bit of a tougher finish for City, but they did they did well to get the fourth in the end. Once again, brilliant uh, decision making from Foden, very subtle pass and a lovely finish. And I've seen the question as well about do City play better than De Bruyne or not, and I'm inclined to say yes now. 
nothing about that De Bruyne's not good or anything. It's just the fluidity of how City attack, the movement they have everywhere. And obviously De Bruyne with injuries and stuff. He doesn't always react the best to them, as we, as we know. Do you guys agree with that statement? Mm, potentially. I mean, they're brilliant with or without uh, him. And I think what you just said there about Brighton were good and City still won 4-1, I think that just says it all, to be honest. Yeah, uh, that is true. The fourth flattered them, I think, because City yeah. didn't have any attacks really taken. But it was just all about the transition in the first half. Just absolutely carved them open so, so easily. And yeah, also, it was interesting to see Gundogan back in the team as well, because he's hardly played this season. And he was one of the best midfielders in the world last season, not just off goals, off his general play. I can't sing Cantelo's praise enough either, by the way. But on Gundogan, like, it's quite surprising what. Uh, that was one of his first starts this season. Uh, obviously gets the goal, really good improvisation from Bernardo for the assist. And Gundogan was just really good. But yeah, it's just interesting to see him play. But yeah, I'd probably move on from City now. Yeah, I mean, we haven't got too much time, so I will move on. Um, and I'll let you talk about Arsenal just for a minute. Obviously, the Friday night game, it seems a long time ago now. But, you know, after the Palace game, it was important you bounced back. And you did a good 3-1 win against... A quite a poor Villa side who are quite underwhelming this season. I've seen a lot of fans get on Dean Smith's back. We haven't got too much time to talk about this, but just in a couple of minutes, um, what did you think of the game? It's mad how many other games as well which happened. Like Watford battered Everton in the end. And, yeah, crazy. Um, crazy Leeds didn't deserve a point against Wolves from what I heard, but did get one. And they're really, really struggling. But on Arsenal, absolutely brilliant start. It's really good to see us starting like that. Uh, the press and intensity was great. Aubameyang, Arteta spoken it earlier, but he's activated like a new version of himself almost. He's gone through such a tough time, so I'm really, really happy for the guy. A lot obviously went through malaria, COVID, anything you really don't want to face as a footballer, as a sportsman, or as a person in general. He's bounced back amazingly well. Got four goals so far this season in eight. The flicks as well to Smith Rowe uh, against Villa and the flick against Spurs. Just shows another element of his game as well. And the 4-4-2 we played was really interesting, really expansive. Uh, allowed the Bamming to play off Lacazette. Uh, we got a penalty, which I personally think was a penalty, but it's a bit of a tough one to say. Because I think the defenders got Lacazette first, so by rules it's a penalty. But I think Lacazette's looking for it, as strikers do nowadays. And the first goal, I think we got robbed a bit of the disallowed goal, so maybe that evens out for a bit. And... I'm trying to even remember the first goal. Was it Aubameyang? Yeah, uh, Party. Party, that's it. Well, yeah, Party's called. Honestly, because we're recording on Monday, it feels like so long ago. It's just so much football just happened. But yeah, Thomas Party getting his first goal. So, so happy for the guy. The amount of shots he's been taking. He's become a hilarious player as well. Like the shots he's been taking and just skied. And another player, unbelievably impressed with Nuno Tavares. So, so good against uh, Villa. And yeah. Absolutely brilliant, really. Uh, ben White, another player I can't sing the praise off enough. Written off before he even moved to the club. Got scrutinised after he played Ivan Tony in his first game, who was bullied the likes of, you know, Van Dijk and stuff. And it's a top, uh, you know, top defender, really. His ball-carrying abilities, his ball-playing second to none, like some of the best around, really. And, yeah, he's, he's been really good defensively. And I think him being bad airily has been a bit of a myth, to be honest. It's been really good. And Gabriel has been superb. And yeah, also um, Smith-Rowe, I mean, absolutely exquisite, really. Saka wasn't insane, but 
Smith Rowe was just absolutely brilliant. I was pleased that, uh, who was it, came in for, yeah, Lacazette came in for Pepe, that's it. And we went to that 4 4 2. But yeah, Smith Rowe, absolutely impeccable. Sambi Lukonga was really, really good as well. And yeah, I'm just so happy for Smith Rowe getting a goal and assist, adding to those numbers to his game. Just such a likable guy. I'm so lucky to have him. So yeah, another top, top youngster, which goes into the plans of Southgate, I'm sure. But yeah, Ramsdale again also made like a really crucial save. His distribution again, absolutely key. And yeah, I can't sing the praises of these guys at the moment enough. And I find with Arteta now, every week, um, you know, it's like such a flip-flop business. <laughs> like, it's so hard to, to have an Don't opinion. Don't get drawn in. <laughs> one week, <laughs> one week, you're like, what is this guy doing? He's putting Saka on the left and Pepe on the right. And Saka's obviously infinitely worse off the left and the right. And then he's putting party as a lone six with some galaxy brain full free free. And then another week he's playing a full four two, which is unbelievably efficient, high press, high intensity, domination early on, and just really good stuff. And it's really important we build on our lead. And I think second half we should have, you know, scored more than the frame a bit annoyed we didn't, because I really wanted us to do what Chelsea did to Norwich and just get a bunch of goals. And I think that third goal's on oh, talk for too long, you know, not too long here, but um that third goal in the second half was so important because Villa actually came out with more of a purpose. Obviously, bringing Bailey on, I'll quickly touch on how bad Villa were because I'd love singing the praises of my club, but Villa were absolutely abysmal, has to be said. He absolutely carved open a three-back team, though, so hopefully same happens for Leicester next week, which will be a big game. And, yeah, just I don't understand why they've gone back to a three-back and why they played it quite a bit. It's not worked out for them at all. Players like Leon Bailey on the bench, I guess he's injured, so unfortunate, really. The fact they got a zero XG in that first half is just truly mental, to be honest. Like That's very impressive. They instantly improved second, but yeah, the free back, just so easy to penetrate through. Uh, so easy for the, the two up front to just completely isolate them, get behind them easily. The space in that midfield, Douglas Louise was absolutely shocking, but yeah, done enough talking. Really happy with the result, and yeah. Yeah, I mean... We've had so much talk about today. We're not even going to have time to cover everything we wanted to talk about. But like Matt said, just in other news in the uh, Premier League, Watford got a brilliant win um, against Everton, 5-2. Um, I'm sure everyone's seen that screenshot of Iwobi, the poor guy. But um, What is that defending from Everton? I just want to quickly oh, say. Oh, I know. They are what? such a Oh, sweet, sweet. Do you mean the, that Twitter thread? Oh, just look at any of the goals, honestly. You lose your brains. And then even the goal which Watford conceded, Ben Foster's moving out like I've moved my goalkeeper. Like, <laughs> like oh, Ever- Everton, just such a strange club. Like, they really are bipolar. And to ship five to Watford, that is a concern. And a lot of fans getting on Benitez's back doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, n- not really too much else to report in the Prem other than uh, West Ham beating Tottenham, which, you know, it doesn't even come as a surprise anymore, which does show what sort of state Spurs are in at the moment. They are another very inconsistent club. Um, Leicester beating Brentford, which was a good result for them, but I feel like Brentford did deserve more out of the game. They had a lot of chances. Crystal Palace, Newcastle shared a point. Again, Palace probably should have won that, but Newcastle do really start needing to pick up results. Um, like we said, Leeds got a pretty undeserved point at Wolves and Southampton and Burnley, both two clubs that um, are struggling, played out a 2-2 draw. So that is about it for the Premier League. I mean, 
El Clasico happened, which I missed fully and haven't even seen the highlights, unfortunately, due to being at the game. But um, Real Madrid won uh, 2-1. And I think that does show the gap between the two clubs at the moment, two clubs that are supposedly in crisis. I think it's safe to say Barca are, but, you know, Madrid showing why they are still a good side and, you know, showcasing a lot of the good players they have. And a lot of people spoke about David Alaba and his, you know, wages and how much he was going to be on the stuff. But I think so far from what I've seen of him, he seems like he's been a good addition for um, for Madrid. Um and they're doing well. I mean, they're second in the league behind another team that I wanted to give a quick shout out to before we end, which is Real Sociedad, another team going massively under the radar this season. They got a 2-2 draw with Atletico Madrid, which was disappointing considering they were 2-0 up, but <clears throat> still a very respectable result. And they've got a very good thing going on there. And it's, you know, an interesting team to keep an eye on this season. Maybe someone that can gate crash the traditional top four in La Liga. So just wanted to give a shout out to them. And the other league, I just wanted to quickly... Um, Touch Sorry. on is go on. <clears throat> Matt, Matt's gonna put them as title favorites now. <laughs> Wait, who's that? Real social dead. No, mate, give it, give it a minute. I mean, well, the, well, the... what are you trying to think of me having another edgy take? Is that yeah, it? mate, never. <laughs> it's coming. You've never coming done that in your life. <laughs> no, nor is saying that. Basketball. Um, but now nah, the other league I wanted to quickly touch on is Serie A, which, as we predicted, has been very entertaining. And the two early favourites, Napoli and Milan, both on 25 points after nine games. A sensational start from both of them. And I mean, Napoli drew with Roma at the weekend, but up to that, a perfect start, which is sensational. And just wanted to mention that the Mourinho era in Roma, you know, it is starting after the, uh, the comments the other night. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen them. Um, so apparently... Um, Bodo Glimt have a better side than Roma and Roma can't compete and he decided to banish five players from the entire squad what, so. uh, did, apparently he said in like the interview or something like if I could play my first team every week I would because my first team was so much better than the youngest it's, it's why always Lukaku stage half a season in what <laughs> like, why are you saying that what, what, that, what good is that going to do after six months I mean, I That's think he got sent off like yesterday that. as well. I don't know if I'm wrong. I think he got sent off in the game. Oh, Mourinho, yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah I think did. Spalletti also got sent off in that. I did. I missed it, but um, oh my god, I know. crazy. I mean, they are fourth in the league, to be fair, which is respectable. But give it some time, and uh, we'll see the true Mourinho shining through. I think we're already seeing um, some, you know. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad they didn't win yesterday, to be honest, because I don't even know what he would have said in his press conference about United. He just somehow tried to worm our way in to make keep himself relevant. The United have won zero trophies since I beat it. No, what am I gonna win? Respect, respect, respect. respect. <laughs> if Conte um, joins us, he's gonna have a field day, isn't he? <laughs> probably, start, <laughs> probably trying to force a rivalry when he's in Italy, right in Roma. But um, anyway, Mourinho's still just about... free, it seems. <laughs> I just want to wait before you wrap this. I just want to talk quick about that like, Milan game, like and how Milan like are this season. They've been unreal, but they've actually fell off a tiny bit recently. They've hit like their never to break out point, which they do every single year. So do you think like Milan will still, you know, do you think they'll win Scudetto or do you think I think they I think they've got a good chance? Obviously really also, the injuries really screwed them, it's fair enough. But Bologna, like ten men, uh, I go watch the two nil. No, I mean like it was ten men when I went to go oh, watch two okay. nil. Come back, it's like 2 2, two res. I'm like, sorry, what has gone on there? And yeah, it's ends 4 2, so fair enough. And also, uh, like that, that um, PSG Marseille game, I mean, the fans are just absolute nutters, really. I swear the 8 pm kickoff on a Sunday in Liga and always kicks off. I, t- I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like it does. Marseille Every time I switch on, it's kicking off. A fight with Nice fans. 
How how yeah. how does a fan like get to distance or Messi? Yeah, that was quite strange. Honestly, that is so embarrassing. Like, imagine being a footballer and your security is that low. <laughs> it's unbelievable, really. But the French yeah, are nervous, But it was an entertaining game. Um, Fabrizio tweet. Oh, it's not. He's not gone. Just about. He's not gone. Just saw Fabrizio tweet about Solskjaer. I got myself a bit uh, excited. <laughs> <laughs> an exclusive, which one actually be an exclusive? But yeah. No, you know, I really did think we said pre-recording that the uh, announcement might come mid-part, but not quite. But um, maybe we'll try getting Romano on the episode. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that does just about wrap up everything we've got today. Um, appreciate you guys listening as always. If you've got any new, you know, United listeners, especially from today, then just let us know what you think of the show. Really, any feedback is much appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with us on Twitter, you can at Big Six Pod. And um, that is just about it. I don't really want to watch any football for the next week, to be honest. I'm sure you feel the same. Demel, a week without United is probably going to do me some good. And We'll see what happens come Spurs, but um, great to meet you both as always, and I uh, hope you guys will take care, and we'll see you in the next one.